This is Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success with Stefan Horst and Dave Antiel. Welcome to the Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success podcast, where we talk with marketing and agency executives and learn how they build successful businesses and their personal brand. I'm your host, Stefan Horst. The topic for today's episode is geofencing marketing and location-based advertising. Here to speak with me is Dan Dillon, who is the CMO of Reveal Mobile, a location-based analytics, audience, and attribution software for agencies, brands, and media companies. Dan is responsible for all aspects of marketing strategy and execution, driving demand and pipeline for Reveal's products. He has nearly 20 years of marketing experience, building and managing results-oriented teams for high-growth software and technology companies. Dan, welcome to the show. Stefan, thank you so much for having me, and thanks for that very kind introduction. <laughs> then, before we before we dive into today's topic, you know, I'd love to find out a little bit more about you. Tell our listeners about how you got started in your career. Um, how did you get into marketing? Oh wow! Great, thank, thanks for that. I appreciate it. Um, I started in marketing uh, too long ago, really, uh, in the field of communications. So my job was largely PR. Uh, internal communications, frankly, a lot of reading and editing, right? Uh, and from there, uh, it branched out into all different kinds of directions. This was many years ago when digital marketing was just dawning. So there was all kinds of opportunity to explore different sub-regions, sub-fields of, of marketing. And so I took on, you know, the opportunity to just learn as much as I could about as many different things as, as I was exposed to, email, uh, web, App display, social, everything I could sort of get my hands on, I, I tried. And I did that at a number of different companies, which was also a lot of fun, and just learned the, the hard way, frankly, just doing it, not doing it well, <laughs> and then maybe a little bit better the, the next time, the next time, the next time. And I've had the great good fortune of working with really, really smart marketers uh, throughout my career. So I've learned not just by failing, but also by listening and 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 really just trying and experimenting. So my core philosophy is do, do something. Don't make the risk so great that, of course, it's um, embarrassing or catastrophic. But certainly, you know, try because it's never going to be perfect. But it'll, it'll, it should always be a little bit better than it was last time. So that's kind of how I, I formed my career. And at Reveal Mobile, where I've been for about two years, um, I still do that. I still work that way, right? I'm a small team, uh, so we have limited resources, but we 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 do what we can to build brand, to generate leads, to drive pipeline, and ultimately uh, to have revenue show up in the business. So that's, that's how we tune. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Interesting uh, what you just said. I think, you know, there are a lot of people out there that, that are afraid of just testing something, right? There, there's always the danger of, of a test to fail. But obviously, you know, if you, if you don't test, if you don't try, um, you know, you, you never know if it would have worked. So um, in order to move ahead, I think it's just it's just required to 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 try different things, even knowing that not all of them will will be successful. Now, you know, obviously, over the last what is it year year and a half, the the landscape for consumer shopping has changed dramatically, right? Um, when when people mm -hmm. were not able to get outside um, due to restrictions, they went uh, online to to do their shopping, whether that's groceries, um, you know, clothes, and whatnot. Now, now that 
that restriction have been lifted then how from your perspective are consumers changing their shopping behavior and and how are they adjusting to do the fact that they can go out again in store and do shopping there it's it's really it's really a whole new day right it's it's um like you say restrictions are being lifted uh people are out in the world for for retail therapy they love to try on the clothes and see the shoes and you know do do all the things you can do in a in a physical store but make no mistake people are still shopping in uh in 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 historic numbers online and that's not going to change we've all established new patterns we've all established new habits and and we've all got new favorite services right we've signed up for things we never would have signed up before and we like them so we're going to stick with them but remember retail as a category in the US is a four trillion dollar industry uh and and e-commerce makes up about 20% of that so amazingly 80% of the stuff we buy we buy in brick and mortar stores uh so we want to do that we 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 are wired to go out and have that experience right uh in this in this um society so what we're seeing now is that people are with vaccinations being rolled out and people feeling a lot safer they're doing just that they're going to first they're buying clothes they're buying cars um they're starting to go to movies their their concerts are back so people are going to very large public events indoors not not just outdoors but also indoors uh theater museums every category you might want to you know name as a as a place to go as a consumer or a private citizen people are going so that's obviously had a massive impact on how advertisers are buying media uh everything from out of home right billboards sides of buses train stations bus stops you name it taxi topper everything that's outdoor that people would not see during a pandemic is back so there's a lot of money flowing into out of home everything down to you know the the big the 800 pound gorillas right uh, facebook ads uh, instagram google ads of course and interestingly tiktok so we don't need to spend the, the webinar or sorry the podcast on this on this topic but um my prediction you heard it here first is that there will be uh the, the new big 3 social media platforms will be facebook instagram and tiktok So we'll see how that how that plays out but all kinds of money is flowing into these channels uh because the consumer dollars are ready they're they're being spent so it's a matter of how you're going to capture as a marketer how you're going to capture that audience who is willing to come to your store but just may not know that you're open or may not know that you have new hours or may not know you have a new experience to offer them so how can how can brick and mortar mortar stores benefit from that because obviously over the last year year and a half their advertising to to drive people in store has come to a screeching halt right um yeah no one was able to go into a store so why would you advertise now the situation is people got comfortable with the fact that they can get so many things delivered home right um amazon grown massively over the last one and a half years um as as one big company that that benefited massively on that so what what can what can brick and mortar stores do now to bring people back in into their stores two things what we're seeing at reveal mobile is brick and mortar retailers and frankly the agencies that work for those retailers are doing two things they are geofencing their clients locations uh, or or their own locations if they're the retailer themselves and they're understanding who visited their store before the pandemic they're looking back 18 months before the pandemic even even you know arrived if you will 
And then they're also uh, to get those audiences and have them come back to their store today. And then they're looking more recently at the more recent past and they're geofencing their, their competitors. So in the case of say apparel, a clothing store might geofence their own store, you know, back in January or February of 2020 and, and message to those audiences, Hey, we're, you know, we're back. We've got new experiences and, you know, try our new summer line. And then they're geofencing the, you know, the clothing store down the road or the chain in their um, competitive space. And they're saying, Hey, shopper for clothing, come here instead, because we have this new experience. We have these new outfits, whatever the case might be. And that is how we're seeing agencies uh, grow market share for their retail clients. Uh, it's, it's clever, uh, it's effective, and it's measurable. So in this, in this climate, those are two really um, um, compelling strategies. Yeah, so it's a mixture of prospecting and, and, and conquesting at the end of the day. Exactly, that's exactly right. Okay, now what are the biggest challenges retailers are looking to solve in terms of marketing advertising as it relates to the current situation? Uh, well, foot traffic is, is the order of the day, right? Everyone, consumers are up for grabs, right? We, we're all coming out of our, our homes and, and we're, we're going back to stores. And we may not be going back to the stores that we used to go to, right? Because we need patterns. And that poses a real risk to even, even consumers, or sorry, even retailers that could depend on, you know, a good consumer volume in the past. So nothing can be taken for granted. Retailers need to fight for every visit, need to fight for every dollar. Uh, so this is that, as I was mentioning, this is that climate where conquesting is so compelling because the consumer wants to be told, you know, th this, this is the place to come, right? And they need to have a reason to be, to, to be compelled. But without that awareness, without that advertising in front of that consumer, um, they're going to go somewhere else. So you risk, the retailer uh, risks losing market share more now than, than they have in the past. Interesting, interesting. Now, as it relates to channels, then, what are the channels, advertising channels, that, that from your perspective or from what you've seen deliver best results in getting customers back into stores? We actually did a, a study on this back in the spring, anticipating vaccines being ready and then and vaccines taking hold of course we knew that you know in summer of course summertime uh, it's warm people want to go out they're just at the park right they go for a walk and naturally that behavior leads to shopping frankly so we asked marketers what channels they got the best results from and it may not surprise you but paid social was the top channel for drawing consumers into stores uh, and then interestingly more traditional channels radio broadcast radio and linear TV or broadcast TV are also highly favored channels. Not be surprising in the end because what those channels are doing are providing access to a local audience, right? So your TV, even though TV now is Netflix and Amazon Prime, if you're talking about broadcast TV, you're really talking about a DMA. And in that DMA, you've got a certain number of stores or auto dealerships, whatever the case might be. And that's the audience you want to, want to attract. So after um, paid social and after some, some broadcast TV and, and radio, everything sort of follows from there. Display, out of home, paid search, all those things are sort of bunched in the middle. And then there are a few laggards there at the bottom of the list. But if I had, if I had $1 to spend, I would probably spend it on Facebook today. Okay. Um, that is where the majority of consumers are, are going to learn and, and then um, are seeing the results. Retailers are seeing the results. Yeah. Well, given that that Facebook got under, under immense pressure with Apple's decision to restrict 
or to, to block tracking, basically. How do you see that panning out for, for Facebook and using Facebook as, as a successful channel? That's a great question. And I, it's too early to say that the jury's out on that story. But the fact is, is that consumers, so, so the, the backstory here is that Apple released a new operating system for their iPhone and it gives the consumer more control over what data can be shared with advertisers and what data cannot. And that is terrific. Reveal Mobile supports that. We are in favor of consumer privacy. We're in favor of, con of consumer control. Uh, we also are in favor of, of advertisers and advertisers need and desire to get audiences to take a behavior, take an action. So there, there's a middle ground there. And I think the middle ground ultimately rests with the consumer, rests with the person with the phone in their hand or in their purse. And what we have found at the end of the day is that consumers value convenience over everything else. So if I know that, you know, to engage with a brand or to, to get offers from my favorite burger restaurant or to, to get a, a deal on an airline, you know, ticket, I need to share some data to get, to get, that, to get that value. And I'm willing, research shows that better than 70% of consumers are willing to share personal data, whether that's location, Uh, email, you name it, for convenience. So at the end of the day, the consumer is going to, and even with those greater controls in place on Apple devices, um, and, and I, like I said, Jerry's out, the iOS 14.5 and, and .6 are still hitting people's phones. Over time, I think we're going to see a drop, a, a, a temporary drop in the availability of that data because people will feel empowered and they'll opt out. But over time, they'll realize that their lives were better <laughs> when they opted in uh, because they were more convenient and they had services provided to them that they didn't have otherwise. So over time, we expect that temporary you know, drop in, in data availability to, to jump back up. It'll also make that data more valuable because the people who opt in are, are serious about right, uh, being in an audience and being, mm -hmm. being opted into those services. So it, it'll sort of separate uh, a, lot of, a lot of good data from bad. Yeah, yeah. Have you, have you seen any performance impact um, For uh, due to due to that change, none. And, and I'm I'm not I'm not being coy. I'm not trying to be glib. But from our standpoint, uh, in the campaigns that our clients run inside of our product, mm -hmm. uh, we've seen zero impact on data availability, uh, and then uh, results. Largely because all of the mobile data we get comes from both iOS and Android. Uh, in fact, our U.S. data supply, uh, all of the location signals and events we get in the U.S., the majority of them are actually coming off of Android phones. Mm -hmm. um, so the impact has been almost inconsequential. Yeah, yeah. Now, as I assume, many of your of your clients work with agencies. Um, from your perspective, what's the one thing an agency can do to bring more strategic value to to their consumer-oriented clients? Um, that, that is a really good question, and, and I, I risk I risk sounding pedantic at, with with this answer. But I think the short version is uh, move away from impressions and shares and likes, and move towards business outcomes like sales and dollars in the door and consumer count or or, or um, customer count. Sorry, that's the stuff that you know ends up in the in the annual report. Uh, that's the stuff that ends up in the boardroom conversation. That's the stuff that really gets people's attention. So business leaders don't really care about likes and shares as much as they care about sales and revenue, right? So the more you can tie your actions discreetly to 
in our case, store visits, you know, foot traffic into the store, and then correlating that visit to a, a transaction, a, you know, a cash register checkout, uh, that's your answer right there. And, you know, the nice thing is a lot of, just about every retailer knows what a visit is worth, right? So if you're a website, you know what a visit is worth because you look at your, your e-commerce engine every day and you see what people check out with. Same thing with point of sale data. If I, you take, a, take Olive Garden, take the, the Italian restaurant chain here in, in, in North America, you know, comfort food, Italian style, hundreds and hundreds of locations, maybe thousands. Every person who walks into an Olive Garden is worth $20. So if you've got technology that can tell you that 8,000 people visited Olive Garden in California last month, you've got 8,000 times, you know, there's your sales number that you can bring to your Olive Garden client and say, here, we didn't just get, you know, 20% click-through rate or a million impressions. Okay, that's great. But really what we got you was $1.6 million or whatever that math problem is in, in tickets, in sales. How is measurement in consumer marketing shifting uh, then? So other areas of the business see it as a more of an integrated partner or part? Well, I think it actually goes back to what we were just talking about, to be honest with you. I think it goes uh, towards um, discerning between what metrics really tell you and how they can really help you at each stage of the customer acquisition process and the customer retention workflow or process, right? So you, there, there are a million, a million different things you can measure, and every one of them is good when applied at the right place, and every one of them is bad when applied at the wrong place, right? So that's sort of the, the I don't know, the riddle version of, of my response. But the key is, is knowing that each metric has its purpose and applying it to that, that stage or that, you know, that, that, that step of the process and only that step and then moving on and then saying, you know what, impressions are no longer important to us or cost per action is no longer important to us. Now we need to move on to this next metric, which is the, the thing that, you know, we're going to care about next. And it doesn't mean that once you leave a metric behind, you're never going to revisit it. Of course, you're going to revisit it in the next campaign. So it's cyclical. And I think it's just a question of discerning between, you know, one metric being the be all end all. And frankly, if there is one, it's, it's sales, right? We, 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 all, we all believe that. But every other metric that you're going to consider important is, is, is important in context. Uh, so I think that's an important distinction to make, that, that each metric is, ha, has its place. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, I agree. Um, now, earlier you talked about TikTok and, and uh, that, that you're of the opinion that TikTok will kind of jump up to become number three in kind of from a, from a media social perspective. Tell us a little bit more about, about that. How should advertisers think about TikTok as an ad channel? Yeah, it, it is definitely an upstart and an interesting one. Um, the way I like to think about TikTok as a consumer myself is what TV was, you know, 20 years ago. And it's what YouTube was three years ago. It's the next video channel that is actually an audio platform. So, you know, like I do, TikTok got its start as Musical.ly where people did lip syncing. And it, it's carried that, that audio DNA forward into its TikTok life. And it's, it's during the pandemic, every age, not just teens and, and tweens, you know, jumped onto the platform. Adults in large numbers have adopted TikTok as a, as a, as a, a tool for entertainment, as a tool for creativity, as a tool for engagement. So what we're seeing, uh, you know, it used to be, I think they had 50 million active users in the U.S. and they had 80. And then they released their numbers for the first time in, in their history. And it was, you know, some impressive 
100 million active users uh, in the US, and I think already they're now up to 130 or 150 active million uh, active users in the US, 150 million active users in the US. And so it's gonna keep growing, uh, and that's not anywhere close to Facebook numbers, it's not anywhere close to Instagram numbers. Obviously, those, those are mature platforms. Um, but the interesting thing about TikTok is that of those 130, say, million active users in the US, only 30% of them are teenagers. The other 70, the other 80 million or 90 million of those people have incomes. They're either they're recent college graduates, they're in the workforce, or or they're they're middle-aged adults, or they're 30, so they're, you know, they're millennials, they're 30-somethings, whatever their age. And they're spending as much time on TikTok as they are on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and Pinterest and all the other channels. So TikTok is showing all the all the right vital signs of vibrant growth across demographics. So the really clever thing about TikTok, of course, is its advertising is organic in in the experience. So if you're on Facebook, you know you're being served a Facebook ad. You're you're being targeted. It feels salesy. If you're scrolling through TikTok and you're watching, you know, the, 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 you're on your you're on your for you page, which is sort of where videos get served to you based on content you've consumed or liked or commented on in the past, you're seeing ads that look nothing like ads. They're being organically placed uh, by brands, you know, whether they're, uh, you know, grocery store brands or automotive brands. And it's just, it's just TikTok users uh, who have a following using the product and enjoying the product. So it's nothing like an ad on TV. It's nothing like, you know, pre-roll on YouTube. It's nothing like a Facebook or an Instagram ad that feels like an ad. It's all very organic, which is super clever and super effective. Yeah. So the, the the outcome there is that lots of people who see who see stuff on Facebook are buying stuff on Facebook. About forty percent, I think, the data shows of people who see an, a, a product advertised on Facebook have have bought have bought one in the past. Fifty percent of people who've seen a product advertised, promoted, you know, commented on, or, or you know, reviewed on TikTok have have bought it. So as a performance channel, it's a much more favorable environment for consumer outcomes than, than what we're seeing from Facebook and Instagram. So it is definitely one to watch. Um, you can target on TikTok just like you can target on all the other. So they're doing it right. TikTok is definitely doing it right. Yeah, yeah. It sounds a lot more like influencer marketing at the end of the day, what you, what you find on Instagram because, you know, people, as you said, um, using the products are showing videos. So it's, it's, it's not from a corporation directly. It's, it's through, through an individual, basically, at the end of the day. That's right. That's right. Now, that said, th there are, and you're right, influencers are definitely being used. But you, you even you see Chipotle. Chipotle has a great Instagram presence. If you've not ever seen any Chipotle posts on Instagram, you're missing out because they're very entertaining. And they're doing the same thing on TikTok. Chipotle is engaging with influencers and having them interact with their product in a way that is, like, super entertaining. And also impossible to do yourself. They're creating these trends around Chipotle that are impossible to do without a bowl or a burrito in front of you. So it's it's sort of ingenious in terms of how they're compelling you to buy a product to to engage in a trend and also have a, have a have a good meal, right? Um, but it's a it's a really new, neat new way of thinking about getting people to to, to purchase your product. Yeah, yeah. Now. As we're talking about geofencing and marketing and location-based advertising, then you mentioned there's there's targeting available in the platform, but, but how does your platform um, or your software via mobile help to use, for example, a TikTok to, um, to achieve this location-based approach? 
Yep. Yep. What we see is our, our, our customers use our product, it's called Visit Local, to create custom audiences on Facebook or TikTok or Instagram or any or, or in, in display, any, any digital um, advertising channel. So what they're doing is they're getting a list of mobile ad IDs out of Visit Local, mobile ad IDs of, of devices that have been seen in a Starbucks or in a Toyota dealer park or at the, you know, at the, at the movie theater, where, wherever, you name it, tens of millions of places across North America. And they're taking those mobile IDs and, and then serving ads to those people who maybe are in market for a Toyota or mm-hmm. people who want to go see the next Hollywood blockbuster or people who want to have a pizza for dinner. And they're using those audiences and only those audiences. So they're really eliminating wasted ad spend. They're not just marketing to people who love food. They're marketing to people who've been to Pizza Hut specifically. So they know, well, you're going to get your Pizza Hut people to come back. Or if you're Papa John's or you're some other pizza franchise, you can market just to the people who've been to Pizza Hut and say, hey, you know what? Stop eating that Pizza Hut stuff. Come on over to Papa John's where it's much better. And I'm I'm making this up, of course, but that's the idea. So you've got advertisers who are being laser focused in segmentation and in audience targeting uh, and, and, you know, veritably eliminating any, any unwise ad dollars. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Well then we've, we've unfortunately come to the end of uh, today's episode. Thank you so much for joining me on the performance of like podcast and uh, sharing your thoughts on, on, on you know, location-based um, marketing if people want to find out more about you and your company, how can they get in touch? Sure. Well, thanks for having me, Stefan. It's been a real pleasure. I, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, anyone who wants to learn more about geofencing, location-based advertising, location-based marketing, geotargeting, all those things can come to revealmobile.com. We, have, we publish reports regularly, white papers regularly, case studies, campaign ideas. One of the white papers, we 10 location-based marketing ideas you can steal right now. So we're giving you campaign ideas. Come on over. Grab those, and uh, we're always happy to chat if you if you want to bounce ideas around. Uh, but revealmobile.com is a place to go. Perfect. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. If you like the Performance Delivered podcast, please subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. If you want to find out more about Symphonic Digital, you can visit us at symphonicdigital.com or follow us on Twitter at symphonichq. Thanks again, and see you next time. Performance Delivered is sponsored by Symphonic Digital. Discover audience-focused and data-driven digital marketing solutions for small and medium businesses at symphonicdigital.com.